this narrator advises that the listener digest the following as entertainment. The showrunners behind it are neither six-figure filmmakers nor professional critics. They are casually critical. Hello, and welcome to Casually Critical, the podcast show starring two pals who love to talk about storytelling. I'm your host, Daniel Carpenter. And I'm James Newton, your co-host. Now, within the, the uh, Batman canon, we're aware that uh, there are all kinds of villains uh, that haven't really been represented um, in film and only in comics. For example, Calendar Man, Quilt Man. Uh, in this uh, specific review, we're not talking about Spoiler Man. Uh, Spoiler Man will not be appearing today until uh, the very end of the review. So for those spoiler fans out there, uh, we'll be getting to that near the end. Uh, for now, we're reviewing Matt Reeves' Batman, The Batman, starring Robert Patterson. Uh, just spoiler free. So that's, here we are. That's really well said. Yeah. Um, Thank you. So Matt Reeves, I'll admit, I have a bit of a love affair with his work. Uh, oh, really started getting familiar with it with uh, the last two movies of the Planet of the Apes prequel trilogy. Um, so mm. he directed uh, and had a hand in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and helped write and direct War for the Planet of the Apes, um, both of which I feel are the better the better two movies of the trilogy. Um, but he does an amazing job, started out as an indie filmmaker, worked his way up. I believe he directed the first Cloverfield movie and executive produced 10 Cloverfield Lane and the Cloverfield Paradox. Oh, um, I can see the, uh, the love affair forming now. <laughs> so, uh, Matt Reeves is incredibly talented when it comes to directing. Um, I've seen some interviews with him about the Batman, very posh, has a nice mustache, but really articulate when it comes to talking about the craft and um, really seems to know what he's doing. And with this Batman movie, it's really no different, except this time, the way I describe it to people is he threads the needle so much. Like, what is Batman? Who is Batman? Christopher Nolan says Batman is gritty and real and dark and grounded. And that works for Batman. It really does. Other directors like Tim Burton have said Batman is theatrical and big and massive and comic booky because he's from the comics. Um, and what Matt Reeves did was he looked at those two extremes and said, hmm, what if I just blended the two into a perfect medium? And, and somehow we get this force of nature detective Batman that's slow and calculating and also kind of indestructible yeah yeah this uh this movie has really everything i wanted in a batman movie uh i always found nolan's batman to be a bit um i think i think thematic i think the themes in nolan's batman were powerful ones what batman represented but i always found the uh bruce wayne of that movie to be incredibly dull an incredibly one note and I always found Batman to be more interesting so whenever we had plot lines with Wayne Enterprises I was like uh this is nice and all but like show me the brooding vigilante that actually gets stuff done <laughs> and uh this Batman really is this movie is my favorite Batman it's my favorite Ooh. Bruce Wayne and I think this oh. just might be my favorite Batman movie of all time. Zowie, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> okay. That's gonna... So... I mean, I already know that 15, the 15 people that are listening to this are already up in arms saying, <laughs> you can't say that. Well, I know I came off a little strong there, James, but I'm curious to know, what, what say you about this movie? I have the exact same opinion. Really? It's my favorite Batman movie. Oh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> Um, it's, uh, 
it's balanced between uh, crazy action sequences and uh, quiet character moments and also um, just really well done, well executed character arc uh, within Batman slash Bruce Wayne um, with themes that I really enjoy. Um, I think Christopher Nolan is really good at talking about the heady side of Batman and says, uh, what happens when people get power? What do people do with power? Um, how do people use their power? Um, and that's all well and good. And that made me go, huh, very interesting, very interesting as I do with most Christopher Nolan movies. But with Matt Reeves, I felt some of those thematic questions in my heart. Um, the questions about like, what does somebody have to become in order to um, say the things that they love? And is it worth it? Um, and it, is that like always like, like sometimes you uh, um, miss out on uh, doing some really incredible things if you um, completely lose yourself in uh, this powerful persona of Batman that Bruce Wayne became. So there's a really cool uh, story arc in here if you guys haven't seen the movie um, that uh, I have not seen explored in Batman films before. Now, I'm not the Batman expert. I'm not really an expert on many movie franchises. I'm sure you've seen more Batman movies than I have, Daniel, but have you seen any Batman slash Bruce Wayne arcs quite like this one? I feel like with a character as big as Batman, one that looms so large in our culture and in our films, uh, I feel like he often gets the short end of the stick in terms of arcs, simply because he's Batman. What well, he doesn't need an arc. He's he's the ultimate human being, and that's just simply not true. People come to movies to see the evolution of something, whether it's a character, an idea, a theme. I think this movie plays that line very carefully and also very vaguely when it comes to the theme being developed simultaneously with the character being developed. I think they're yeah. very interwoven. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I've never found... I've found the idea of Batman and Bruce Wayne to be incredibly compelling. I've never seen it done in a compelling way. Um, Michael Keaton is widely known to be the best Bruce Wayne, at least up until this point. And I remember his Bruce Wayne... I think his Bruce Wayne was more dynamic in terms of that switch from Playboy into kind of... I remember there being some scenes in the original Batman movie where he would kind of let down his mask, so to speak, and become kind of Batman in Bruce Wayne's body. He would sit and brood, look off in the distance, and think about things other than being a billionaire. What this movie does, I think quite effectively, is for the first time in movie history that I can recall, it shows us that Batman is the real person and Bruce Wayne is a mask that sometimes Batman wears when it's appropriate. You know? Right. Without spoiling anything, there's a scene where Bruce Wayne decides to go to a certain event as Bruce Wayne and Alfred asks why and he says, well, you know, uh, this is most likely where the guy I'm trying to catch is going. So this will be a great disguise. And I was like, oh my gosh, like there is no, this is one person. Like Bruce Wayne has been completely taken over by this Batman mantle. And it's just really cool to see. And the kind of something that you learn pretty early on in the film too, is that um, Batman is so big in Bruce Wayne's life that he's basically neglected. Wayne Enterprises, yeah, uh, which is a great crossover. Um, usually it's more about um, Bruce Wayne's riches influence how Batman uses his gadgets and stuff, which is still true here. Um, but Batman um, really affects Bruce Wayne in, in some really substantial ways in this movie. Um, he's not getting a whole lot of sleep. Uh, as I said before, he's squandering the business that he inherited from his family, who he uh, loves and cherishes and doesn't want the world to forget. Um, and uh, there's some moments between him and Alfred where he gets a talking to about that. And uh, I think at the end of the day, he becomes a better rounded person um, yeah. at the end of the end of this. Bruce Wayne becomes a better man. Batman becomes a better hero. Um, and that's that's really cool to see on on both fronts. Batman getting developed this 
force of nature that seems to have been explored in every possible way, I'm seeing him being fleshed out in a new way. And I really, I really delight in that. One thing that this, I got to stop saying one thing that this movie does well. It does a lot of things well. Um, but similar to our previous review on Dune, the world building in this is also incredibly minimal, but incredibly elegantly well done. Uh, Gotham, for the first time, at least in my mind, feels like a character, feels like a pulsing, moving thing, a force that Batman has to deal with and navigate within and explore what it means to him and how what he means to it. And I think what Matt Reeves wanted in an interview was he said he wanted to create this idea that since Batman's only in year two of fighting crime when this movie begins, uh, he wanted to give the idea that you could round a corner in Gotham and see an iconic Batman villain slowly being formed in kind of their early stages. And I think he does that incredibly well. A lot of people have said this feels a lot like the Arkham games. And I don't think they're wrong. I think it's great. That's what I loved about Arkham was you could roam across this digital city and see all these different members of Batman's rogues gallery. And with this movie, there's so many iconic characters, but they all have a purpose that goes back to the main plot. You know, there's a, there's a reason. It's not, oh, well, we saw that character. That's great. We're done with him or we're done with her. Nope. We come back to them. They... They have ambitions of their own, their, their own force of nature. And this movie, in one way, it's a powerful story. It's one singular big story. But on the other hand, you also feel like you're just kind of through the lens of Batman. You're kind of dipping back into someone else's world as they're just continuing to do their thing. It, it's an amazing feeling. It feels like Gotham is huge. It's not just one city, but it's limited to what Batman's able to do within it. And I, I absolutely loved how they carried that out. And so incredibly dark too is, is Gotham as it should be. Um, but in an appealing way for me, hmm. um, in a way that, uh, I've really only seen in animated Batman movies or TV shows, uh, where Gotham is, is slick in some places and really dirty and gross in other places. Um, yeah. but all the while there's this, underlying rot that's just eating away at the foundation of the city um, that you can see everywhere you turn um, and the movie really explores uh, like you said the character of Gotham really well and it plays um, a key role I think um, in the film just like the role of of different authority figures in the city and like um, how they're impacted by uh, the villain and um, his influence and what he's trying to do it all makes a lot of sense and it still feels grounded. But at the same time, the city is so evil yeah. in so many ways and it's <laughs> outrageous, but still believably outrageous somehow uh, because the ways that it's evil, uh, it's very relatable to America today in some regards, I suppose. And I think that's why um, I can kind of tether myself to the motivations of the villain and say, okay, I kind of see what he's getting at here. Like I wouldn't do what he's doing, but like, absolutely. Yeah. He's, he's making moves. He's trying to say some things that are very, very real in the, especially the United States right now. Yeah. So absolutely. So Daniel, there's a unique visual style in the Batman that really gives it a, a fun feel. Uh, and, uh, I guess it, outside of visuals too, the sound design and the soundtrack, um, are just a delight and they move together in such a great harmonious harmonious way um what are your what are your thoughts on the cinematography and the sound design yeah it's both are incredibly well done um the batmobile is the best sounding car i've ever listened to in cinematic history uh that's all i'm gonna say Whoa. it it is well, I'll say more. It's its own character with its own presence. And mm. boy, is its presence awesome. Uh, <laughs> you can actually, if you want to find out more about the cinematography and sound design specifically, there are interviews on Dolby's YouTube channel where they interview 
Matt Reeves, Michael Giacchino, the composer, a few other head guys for the visuals and sound, and they just talk explicitly about it. Matt Reeves talks about how they chose these anamorphic lenses to get a certain look for the movie because um, some of those lenses Anamorphic, were what does that mean for, for those of us at home that aren't lens experts? Oh, yeah, 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 sorry. Uh, an anamorphic lens essentially compresses the image and then you um, stretch it out later in post. It gives you kind of a unique spherical curved look especially with the uh yeah the bokeh which the bokeh is when your background is out of focus and lights become dots these blurry dots right. that's called the bokeh effect um anamorphic lenses have very specific spheres in their bokeh effect so that's getting a little into the weeds as far as technical is concerned but there's a character reason for why matt reeves chose that because these anamorphic lenses had these interesting kind of broken textures in their glass, which created a very unique look. And seeing this world through the fractured, shattered lens of a broken man being Batman, that was something Matt Reeves thought would best emulate that look. That's on the technical level. On the personal level, this is one of those few movies I've seen in Hollywood where you can... This movie is not a high-budget movie by any means uh, in terms of Hollywood, but this looks like a several-million-dollar budget film. Like, it looks like a high-caliber production. Uh, yeah. I can't say that about most movies and most Marvel movies, for that matter. Uh, but it looks like there's an incredibly high production value, and it sounds like there's like an incredibly high production value. Um, quick shout-out to Michael Giacchino. For doing the Batman score I have a brand new respect for this man because he took a dead horse and just resuscitated it I don't know how he did it but creating a new score for Batman when we have heard so many different iterations in the past few decades and making it feel punchy and sharp like a comic book movie and also gritty and serious and driving like an a atmospheric modern... yeah oh my gosh so anyway i could go on and frankly if it was up to me we would spend all of our time talking about how great this movie <laughs> is but i'm curious to know for you james uh when it comes to the technical sides of this film what what are your thoughts oh shoot i mean nothing really holds a candle to what you said oh. the anamorphic lens thing blew my mind uh the, the broken lens, the thematic ways that that ties in. Um, I just, I think, just from an emotional standpoint, uh, whenever we're trying to convey the feelings of a character, um, we uh, tend to move the camera closer to the character. And this film is very much about Batman, Bruce Wayne, his journey as a young hero trying to make his way in the world. And there's a lot of time spent up close with Robert Patterson. And I, I just really appreciate that. We really get to know his character through, first of all, a great performance, but also the camera angle close enough to convey those small details um, that just make for a, a, really, a really compelling um, character growth um, several character growth moments in the movie. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess I, that's that's the only little bit of seasoning I can really add to this soup that you're already stirring up here. But um, yeah, I like I like the personal uh, personal camera angles because this is a very personal story. Mm. So I would say out of five stars, I'm giving this a perfect five. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm giving it a four out of five. What? Um, yeah. In the spoiler review, Daniel. when we get to it, I'm going to immediately ask you to explain yourself. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we're we're going to roll right. the spoiler review right now. Here we go. Want to join the conversation? Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Casually Critical Podcast to get the inside scoop on future episodes. Feel free to message us on either platform to join in the casual correspondence or provide feedback on the show. Now it's time to dive into our spoiler review. 
Okay, now it's over. So James, young man, you you guys are listening already now. If you haven't seen the movie, you're you're not listening at this point. But James, you're in the hot seat right now because you gave <laughs> Dune four and a half stars and demoted Batman down to four. Can you I did. Can you show me your logic here? I can't show you my logic, Daniel. I can't. Can you You know tell what I can it? say though? What? You know what I can say though? What? This is a great movie uh, with a great plot, great story, great uh, world, great characters, great actors, great direction, great writing. All of it's really good. Uh-huh. It's really good. It's still a Batman movie, though. And that's a bad thing? It's still thing. Batman. I don't think that's a bad thing. <laughs> but here's the thing. We're treading over old ground here. The Riddler is very different in this movie. Penguin, he's pretty much the same guy. But I expected a Batman movie, and I got a Batman movie. Uh, a very good Batman movie. The best Batman movie I've ever seen. But at the end of the day, it's a Batman movie. And I am not a diehard Batman fan. So even if the movie is well-crafted, uh, and the... The source material is not my, my like everyday cup of tea, I guess. Um, so it's not an insult to uh, the amazing people that worked on this movie and, and made this movie happen. Uh, it's more just a, uh, a personal taste. It's, um, yeah. it's an incredibly dark uh, source material. There are amazing glimmers of hope at the end, and that's why I love it more than other Batman movies, um, the glimmers of hope are so palpable and so realistic. Uh, and that's why I love it as much as I do. Um, why do I like it less than Dune? Uh, because Dune feels fresh. Uh, mm. So fresh. Just, oh my gosh. Wow, what was that? I don't know, man, but this is brand new stuff. Yeah. Now the source material is old. And they've made one other Dune movie before. But I haven't seen it. So ultimately, it's a biased opinion, Daniel. Dang. What say you in response? Well, you've got some points there. Um, I think something I've been subconsciously internalizing is, it, do I like Dune better or the Batman better? I mm. guess in some ways I'm still figuring that out. Um, there's some ratings I've left on this show that I've like, maybe I, I should have gone back and said something different. Uh, for me, I see this movie as not just the impressive film that it is. I see it as how do you breathe new life into a character and to a franchise that people know so well, and in some ways has been done so many times to where it's like, oh my gosh, do we really need another Batman movie? And I'm a and big, you're saying that makes it all the more impressive. I'm saying that makes it all the more impressive. Uh, okay. Let's talk specifics here because one thing I wanted to touch on in this segment was the actual craft behind this movie, the filmic language, and how it uses visuals to express deeper meanings. Um, yeah. There's talk a, to me. There's a theory. Let's take you. I'm taking you to psychology class, James. I'm going to draw some stuff okay. on the blackboard. I need you to take some notes. Okay. We're going to learn right. about Let something. Let me put cold. my dunce cap on. <laughs> so there's a theory called Gestalt theory. And that's the idea that provided with limited information, your brain can fill in the dots and connect the pieces. So if I draw a dot, if I draw three dots in a triangle shape, but they're dots, and then I ask you what shape it is, you're going to say a triangle because you see not just the dots, but their relationship to each other spatially and your mind yeah. fills it in. So with the Batman, how does this look? Well, Matt Reeves knows we're familiar with the source material, and so he plays to the audience's intellect. He doesn't feed us information, or like The Dark Knight or Nolan, he doesn't overly exposit on the ramifications of certain themes. Instead, he chooses to show us that through the characters. So the first, hmm. one of the first few scenes is uh, Batman is examining this crime scene, which again... The animosity that the police officers have with him is just amazing. Like, yes. none of them are happy he's there at all. Um, but I also love how respectful he is of the crime scene. He never really touches anything. He just 
point stuff out. Um, but there's a scene towards the end where Gordon says, we really got to go, man, which I love how he calls him man and not Batman. Anyway, yeah. it's just Gordon. Best Gordon. Love. Gordon. Can I just say best Gordon? He's great. He needs more screen time. He was given more screen time. Yeah. Love this Gordon. So good. Thank you, Jeffrey Wright. He has this great like bro-mance, not bromance, but like this bro relationship, like mutual respect with Batman. They never say yeah. it to each other, but you can feel that respect. Anyway, uh, Batman learns and sees the boy, the the son of his fa- the his murdered father, and Batman just lingers and stares at him. And then Gordon says, "We got to go," and so he leaves. This later scene economy. Uh, later on, Alfred is giving Bruce a hard time as to staying up late, neglecting his family. And then when he, when Bruce Wayne storms off, Alfred sees that same boy footage. And in both scenes, we're never told what's significant about it, but we're given all the dots and our brain connects it. Bruce Wayne is an orphan. He knows exactly what that boy is going through and he wants to convey that but he can't. And later on, Alfred sees that boy and realizes this is why Bruce Wayne does what he does, exactly why he does what he does, so that people don't end up with the same story that he does, that people don't have to lose their parents or suffer. And that is a masterstroke of filmic language and not talking dumb to your audience. Not saying, yes. oh, that's significant now. I see you were, you were cared about that boy because of your parents. Like, no, it doesn't, it doesn't go into that. And it's just... Thanks, exposition. It's phenomenal. Now, I think uh, Denis Villeneuve does a similar work with Dune, especially with you know, some of the visions that the main character has. Um, but this is done in a more small scale human level and it's done incredibly well uh and i i have to give it props for that here's here's one one other thing i'll add to my eight out of ten um okay catwoman and her arc um though they did tie in with batman's though they did tie in with the overarching story uh was not incredibly compelling to me uh it felt very um uh it felt kind of inserted into batman's story and how they were intertwined uh Mm -hmm. in a very limiting way i think um from the the character that matt reeves was building out of arkham um feels like a lot of things stem from falcone um a lot of things stem from his police uh and district attorneys that he has in his pocket and bruce wayne and selena kyle are are connected for that reason um but i guess i just it's been several months since i've seen the movie but i just don't really see the necessity of that connection and i don't see the necessity of her character um i would have personally liked more more gordon more gordon time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> instead of instead of more Catwoman time uh, and exploring what she's going through, that's that's one thing I can say I feel a little neutral about and not super jazzed about in this movie. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I liked I liked. So this is my favorite Catwoman. Uh, I feel like I don't know how to say this in a entirely PC way. But the idea is Catwoman is this person whose alter ego, her real self, Selena Kyle, isn't doing so well. And that's primarily why she uses thievery. It's something she's good at. It's a means to an end. It's for her to get, you know, to get by. Um, Mm -hmm. I can't see Anne Hathaway struggling financially. Just the... The way she played the character in The Dark Knight Rises, uh, the way that Catwoman's been done in the past, they have some elements of Catwoman, maybe persona-wise, but never that feeling that 
this character has seen a lot. This person's on an extremely grounded street level kind of perspective. And Batman has this bigger picture perspective that he has. Uh, I just feel that this captures the essence of that so much more. That being said, her whole friendship with Annika, who's the girl who, you know, ends up murdered and was the person that <clears throat> the mayor candidate, the, the current mayor of Gotham at the time had an affair with or was running around with, that kind of, I couldn't see the full picture of that. And I also really didn't care as much, I'll admit. Uh, I, yeah, I was like, well, that's nice. I'm sorry about your friend, but I'm really here for yeah. Batman and, you know, everything else. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have. I will say the last thing I'll say about about Catwoman is um, I loved her relationship with Batman in this movie because you can tell Bruce Wayne is like she catches his attention, but he doesn't throw himself at her like with Christian Bale's Batman. He talks about I need to be the man this city needs me to be, and and then like he kisses Catwoman and it feels awkward. But when Catwoman kisses <laughs> Batman in this movie, there's a hesitancy on his part. He doesn't, yeah. towards the end, he doesn't go in for the kiss. She does. Right. And again, never is, that's never directly addressed, but you can infer he's torn. There's the bat symbol in the sky that he's constantly aware of whenever it's on. There's his duty to the city. And she says, oh, looks like you're already spoken for. That's... That tells me just as much, if not more, than the Dark Knight yeah. trilogy ever could. And that and that scene between them was awkward, just not in the way that uh, it was in the Nolan movies. It was awkward for for character reasons, not because it felt forced. Right. There was um, a deliberate. It was like, oh, that's kind of okay. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. He's yeah, he's a busy guy, and intimacy is not really his thing. Okay, I get it. Yeah. He's kind of a statue of a man in that moment. Um, <laughs> but I, um, instead of spending all of that screen time with Selena Kyle and her friend and f finding her and, and figuring it all out and avenging her, um, I would have much rather explored uh, this very Captain America and the Winter Soldier feeling of how many of these police officers are bought out and how many of them are bad mm. and what is safe. And where does Gordon fit in with all of that? Um, that was the part of the story that really, I don't know, I really, I really loved that part. Um, mm. And it gave me, like I said in the spoiler free uh, section, it gave me reason to side with the Riddler in the sense that he's calling out a lot of people that are so crooked and so depraved and so selfish that are in power. Um, I really dig that part of the story. I think it, uh, Riddler... The Riddler within a Batman movie does more than the Joker does in his own Joker movie. Wow. I'm sorry. Whoa. I know some of you listeners really like the Joker movie. You can listen to our review. I'm convinced it's evil. It's an evil film Yeah. Uh, from my own moral standpoint. So. Yeah, it's. I want to give a quick shout out. So the Joker in this movie. Uh. Played by Barry Keoghan, I believe. Wait. Oh, I don't know who that is. Barry, yeah, Barry Keoghan. I'm sure I'm getting his last name wrong. Um, he makes a brief cameo appearance. But Matt Reeves did talk about there is a bigger deleter, deleted scene where Batman actually visits the Joker for consulting on the Riddler. Now, they cut it because the information in it is repetitive and is still communicated through other scenes. But Matt Reeves actually published the scene on YouTube and oh. I have seen it and it is awesome. This Joker is not like Heath Ledger's Joker, which for all the stuff I've given, for all the, I know I've thrown the Dark Knight under the bus. I gotta say Heath Ledger's performance did deserve that Oscar. It's, it's phenomenal. I still think Arco capitalist ways, Joker. Right. I He's think in great. many ways he loves making money. Joker. However, what Matt Reeves does is so smart in the sense that 
he says, okay, so Heath Ledger played into an anarchist force of chaos Joker. Jared Leto tried to be a mobster Joker. Uh, and then Jack Nicholson was very much a mobster kind of comedian Joker. But there is one element of Joker that, again, hasn't been really touched, and that is the manipulator, the Joker that can really get inside your head because he knows how you think. And hmm. this Joker, this scene, in this, these, this five-minute scene with the Joker, this Joker is able to, it's a routine thing, Batman comes to him for information, and he ends up turning it on his head and starts basically just calling Batman out and saying, I know how you operate. You're no different than this guy, you know? He's an admirer of you. And it's and there's a nice world-building thing where towards the beginning, Batman walks in and he says, is it almost been our an one anniversary, our one-year anniversary? And uh, just some nice world-building stuff of like, they've encountered each other before. Joker's already in Arkham. But in Matt Reeves' words, he's not quite the full Joker we know him to be just yet. But... Mm. You also get some beautiful close-ups on his really grotesque makeup, which is awesome. His hair's falling out, and it's green. I need to watch this. Anyway, you've got to see it. Um, but the world building, the characters, there's just so much life that this breathes in. And I think with Dune, with Denis Villeneuve, Dune is an incredibly hard book to adapt and he adapts it. However, he had a lot of wiggle room. And from what I've seen of the older version of Dune, Denis took, I think, some elements, some visual elements from that movie and repurposed it for the universe he was trying to make. So yeah, Dune is an incredible movie, and I am still hesitant to compare it directly with the Batman. But I just think the Batman leaps over hurdles that so many other films have done and still does it incredibly well. And you can't really argue with that, right? I think that that's a really good point. Um, but like to reiterate, from an enjoyment standpoint, I just like doing more because it's, yeah. it's, new, it's new territory for me. And uh, as well-crafted as the Batman is, which I can appreciate, um, Dune, I just, I, I just had more fun watching and I will absolutely rewatch both of these movies. Saw them both in theater, uh, and I'm going to see them again. You know, if anyone ever, you know, come, come over to my house and watch movies with me. Um, I will watch either of those movies again. They're, they're ones I will, I will return to, and I will return to the Batman over any other Batman movie that exists right now, because it's the best one that is that is in the world today in 2022 june <laughs> um but uh there's there's one other there's there's a ton of stuff we haven't touched on yet right but can we talk about um first i want to talk about the um the connection between batman and the riddler and how that changes batman through the vil like through the riddler how batman changes and I also want to talk about um, how he becomes a Batman that we haven't seen on screen ever before by the end of the movie. Do you talk know what I mean? About it. Yeah? Okay. Um, well, the way I see it um, is the Riddler, first of all, is really, really great. Paul Dano does excellent, an excellent job. Um, yeah. I, I wish we could touch on him more, but um, like you said... Um, this information is already tread upon outside of the Joker scene, but the Joker does tell Batman that uh, the Riddler's doing the same thing Batman's doing. Uh, he's an admirer. Yeah. Um, and even his followers uh, near the end of the movie in the third act um, are saying, I am vengeance, just like Batman is, uh, because they're like teaming up. They're buddies. They're showing this town who's boss, and they're going to set things right together. Yeah. Um, Batman realizing that he uh, he is just like the Riddler in so many key ways, but in just a few areas is not. Uh, he's not willing to go as far as the Riddler is. Really turns him into this beacon of hope. 
uh, he becomes this uh, personal Batman, this Batman that gets down in the dirt and helps you out. Uh, he loads wounded people onto a helicopter. Yeah. Um, he doesn't watch it from a tower far away and say, yeah, I did really good in there. Save <laughs> people from the flood and uh, I'm a hero. No, he, Patting he sticks around. Back. I'm a good yeah, boy. Yeah, he pats himself good. on the back. <laughs> He's like, uh, maybe I'll visit my best friend in the hospital later but for now i'm just gonna watch this from far away no he's just um he's he's doing he's doing the work he's doing the small things he's doing the things that don't deserve any amount of glory uh and that further pushes him away from the riddler uh as somebody who sees the individual and is not willing to pay the price of losing the individual to uh to better this the whole to him to better the city Whereas the Riddler says, I'm going to shove a guy's face in a rat cage and make him suffer uh, <laughs> to better call out the cops and, and how bad they are. Yeah. So you see what I'm, you see what I'm, I'm, I'm hinting at here. What, what are your up, thoughts on that? I'm picking up what you're throwing down. That's what I love is uh, this one guy I watched the movie with eventually said, I don't know if Batman went through a character arc. I'll need to rewatch uh, re the movie. I was like, no, it's incredibly obvious to me. He goes from vengeance to hope. He through these very small cues, like even the voiceover at the beginning and the end, that kind of bookend it, the voiceover at the beginning, he says, I've been doing this for two years and I feel like things are just as bad as they've ever been. Like, then they get worse because, again, the Riddler kind of made from Batman. He's like, oh, if Batman can do it. I can, I can make an alter ego and people can answer to that. And he kind of transcends a vengeful vigilante because really anyone can take up the moniker of vengeance, but yeah. very few people actually put their lives on the line in terms of sacrificing themselves. And one thing that was pointed out to me was a buddy of mine who's a pastor. Um, he saw the movie. We talked about it. One thing he absolutely loves is the scene where Batman takes out his bat symbol and slices the cable to the electrical wire dangling over the water. And there is a clear baptism imagery of Batman huh. falling into the water. And when he emerges, he goes from vengeance to hope. And there's still bad out there in the world. The only thing that's changed is Batman. And he helps people out of the debris. And he, um, you know, that scene where the woman is kind of gripping onto his arm and won't let go. Yeah. Like, those those powerful things where Batman realizes it and the voiceover at the end is sparse, which is good. He doesn't babble on about it much because we can tell, we can see it. We can see that this mm -hmm. truly is the Batman that Gotham needs him to be. And this movie did master show. Don't tell. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I love that. The other thing too, going back to cinematic language and showing parallels between the Riddler and Batman uh, voyeurism as imagery. What's the first shot of the movie? Riddler's POV. POV, you are the Riddler. <laughs> <laughs> Scouting out victims. Um, POV, you're the Riddler trying to catch a rat to put in your death cage right. to eat a man's face. Right. Uh, there are several shots of the Riddler where he's watching people from afar waiting for his moment to strike. And then there's a shot where Batman's watching Catwoman and we see his perspective. And it's just those subtle moments where it's like, oh, these guys are very similar. They're looking in on other people's lives, waiting to make their moves, waiting for the world to align just right. And just like, ah, oh, subtlety, man. It's real. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, I, I want to bring, I, I'm, I'm going to talk about this in a roundabout way, this, this vengeance to hope thing and that the city still hasn't changed but he's changed um as we were talking earlier about the realism of this movie um i really i i do appreciate uh how realistic it is in a human sense uh, not an action sense i think there's a lot of scenes where it's like what do you mean why'd the car flip that many times that's not physically possible or like that explosion was way too big, or like, he should have died. Um, like, that stuff, I don't care about. Um, you know, it, it's suspended by belief, and so that's what matters. Um, 
But what you said about Selena Kyle, which was a very good point and I hadn't thought about, very grounded, um, very realistic. Um, the Riddler, being an Instagram influencer, yeah. very grounded, very realistic. What's up, gamers? I'm here on Instagram Live, IG Live. Uh, where are my where are my riddle heads at? Right. Um, it's modern, very grounded, but it's very tasteful. realistic. What's that? It's modern, but it's tasteful. Yes, yes, it's great, uh, and I love reading the comments section during that stream. It's so funny. <laughs> um, the third thing I want to say that's really grounded and realistic is at the end, uh, whenever Batman says the city really hasn't changed much. Us as viewers can look to Batman and actually say, hey, I'm like him. I'm trying to make a difference in the world, and I really can't see it very much. But gosh dang it, I'm going to keep doing it because it's the right thing to do. And it's, you know, we, I, I you know, I being you, the viewer, uh, need to help out our fellow man, even if we don't reel in all the glory uh even if we don't make a visible impact the impact is there it's just not visible um and that's the first moment where i really resonated with batman i'm not saying i'm a hero i'm saying that we're all trying to make the world a better place i hope and that impact is hardly visible at all but we keep going anyway and that was encouraging to me that was illuminating to me that was something where i stepped away from a batman movie and said not just like wow that was really cool that scene when he blew up the penguin and the penguin turned into a bunch of feathers um <laughs> uh i was more like wow even batman you know young batman uh he's not cleaning up this city in a satisfying way and that's realistic in an encouraging way because yeah. you can't do that he's a human being i'm a human being we're all using our power and influence to the best of our abilities to make the world a better place. I hope. Yeah. So. Yeah, I absolutely agree. From an action standpoint to kind of externalize what you just said, I yeah. love that Batman is not perfect with his fighting. Like, he's really good at fighting, beats up a lot of people, but oh my gosh. Like, you, I don't know, I think in our spoiler-free section, you mentioned he's unstoppable and invincible pretty much. I disagree. There are several scenes where he just gets knocked out or knocked I was down. Mostly, I was mostly saying he feels more like a force of nature in That's this movie true. than he does a man Right. Uh, in, some... in a lot of cool scenes, which I love. Uh, but you're right, he does take a beating, for sure. Right. Uh, but I just love that the environment plays to his advantage right. in this movie, and he just feels like... Uh, why are all these guys on the ground grabbing like these wounds on their bodies? Oh, Batman happened. You could say the same thing about a tornado, you know, right. uh, a tornado blew through, you know? Right. Uh, his footsteps too. And his large, tall presence. Like someone yeah. pointed out, he feels very much like Darth Vader in terms of his presence. Like for sure. Large and imposing. Sure. I love it. Um, More on that in our Kenobi review. Yeah, right. Exactly. What I love, though, is it feels like a year two Batman. Like, we all know Batman is the legendary fighter who can do no wrong and beat up all the bad guys. But this Batman, yeah. like, he just, it feels grounded and human. Like, yeah, he can beat up people with the best of them. But there's a scene, some scenes where a thug just gets a lucky shot in. Like, he just blows him back with a shotgun. And it's not the shotgun blast that injures him. It's the impact when his head hits the ground and he's dazed. Then he needs that yeah. adrenaline shot to get keep going. Like, there are two times where Batman gets full on knocked out, and the only reason he's not unmasked and you know uh, put in jail is because of his friends. Like, it's you know it's but it it's done in a way where I still feel like Batman isn't wimpy. You know, it doesn't feel like yeah. he's uh, a weakling. It just feels like he's not perfect. Like. Yeah, that one guy got a lucky shot on Batman after Batman's already pummeled like 10 goons, you know? It's And it plays it plays into the idea that he's a young Batman and still trying to figure things out, you know, the sloppiness of it. Yeah. It's like it makes it a lot more believable that okay, he's really only been doing this gig for 2 years. Yeah. So, I I loved that part of it. Action can really tell a story and Matt Reeves even pays an homage to himself. 
in one <laughs> scene. There's a scene where Batman enters the Iceberg Lounge and, or I think it's 44 below, and he just, the, the lights turn off and the only thing you can see are the muzzle flashes. And I'm like, Matt, you already did this with Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, you know? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. There's a scene, this exact scene where an ape is attacking a human, where humans attack apes, and the only thing you can see is the muzzle flash. And I'm like, Matt, come on, Matt. It's <laughs> He's like, it worked before, I'm going to do it again. No like, one else right. saw the Planet of the Apes movies but me. <laughs> Matthew Reeves. <laughs> right. And I also want to point out, and this is just super superficial, and I do love The Dark Knight so much, but there are identical scenes, and The Batman does such a better job. There's a scene in a club in the dark night. It's very brief. Batman's trying to get some information. And it's a club. It's very much strobe lighting. You can't really tell what's going on other than you get the vague impression Batman's beating people up. And then eventually he interrogates the mobster, gets his man. In The Batman, the Iceberg Lounge is a club, but there's none of that blinking, sensory overload stuff. It's, it's well lit. You can see what's going on, and I appreciated the heck out of that. It doesn't feel like an assault on the senses, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's more realistic. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, listen, there's so much more we could have discussed. We didn't even touch on Colin Farrell as the Penguin. We didn't touch on oh just gosh. all of the acting. And there's, I, I guarantee you, uh, I was editing Dune, and I just thought of something in Dune that we didn't even touch on. And I was like, Oh my gosh, there's just so many things that we just, these movies are great. And I'm so glad we have the privilege of reviewing them. Um, but uh, regardless of if you're a Batman uh, diehard or if you're a completely apathetic person who just forgot to turn off this episode, we're Daniel and James. You've been listening to our podcast, Casually Critical. Stay safe, look both ways before crossing the street, and ask permission before beating the tar out of someone, even if they have done wrong. Take care, guys. And remember, candy tastes better with the wrapper on.